You are listening to the Noisy Narratives podcast, a podcast produced by the Women of First Ministries at Frisco First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas. Here at Noisy Narratives, we like to cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. We hope you are blessed by what we share. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't it amazing? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Noisy Narratives. This is Debbie. I'm here with Christy. Hey, Christy. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm well, freezing. I'm sitting here with right. a blanket on because it is so cold in these offices. You should see us. We're both wrapped up like burritos in our blankets. Well, and it's yes. funny. Anytime, like in Texas, this is part of an issue with how we do AC here, mm-hmm. is it's like 110 degrees mm-hmm. and our AC is pumping all the time. Mm-hmm. And so we're relatively comfortable not like free, but then as soon as the sun dips a little bit, or it's a cloudy day, or it goes like today is like mid eighties. I was just looking that up. It's like our AC just runs because it's still like it's weird, but because the sun isn't maybe? beating, well, the sun isn't beating down on the buildings much, but the AC is still running, mm. so we all just freeze. So like our hands, my hands are like shivering. Yeah, my fingers were so. numb when I was over there typing. And they got so cold, yeah. and then I ran over here, and then I went to Brittany's office to talk to her, and she had a blanket. So I took her blanket, and now I'm wrapped in a blanket. And usually there. you're warm in my office. Usually a top. Yes. Well, we start off nice and like this, and then we usually end up with red cheeks sweating by the <laughs> cool. end. These so are, hot. our buildings are not very well acclimated. It's like extreme. It's one extreme mm-hmm. or the other. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find a good middle ground. But no, you first world problems, I mean, truly. But hey. It is what it We're, is, people. It is what it is. <laughs> but what question do you have for us today? Okay, so the other day, actually it was Saturday night, is when I texted you. And I was probably on Instagram. And um, a song came up on my feed that kind of evoked emotion. Yeah. So my question to you is, what songs come across like your feed or you hear have some kind of emotion where you song that always evokes emotion no matter where you are in life or in the day if that song comes across your social feed do you stop watch and listen mm-hmm. and so that was my question to you because well, it I happens think your a question lot to, to me was what makes you sad like emotional what which well, one like emotional. makes you cry i thought that's what you were saying hold on maybe evokes emotion and you went to sad and no, emotional I guess so. <laughs> Do you stop and watch, listen, don't tell me? Oh, that's hilarious. That's okay, funny. come with you... a song that always evokes emotions no matter where you are in life. So I was thinking cry. Cry. Where were but you? Are you, you, were you even okay happy? On Saturday night? Did you Probably not. <laughs> we have, I have a couple ladies I'm working with right now that are in hard situations. And I spent almost all day Saturday with one or both so of them. So you were crying. And I think you're probably right. Yeah, I that's think that's exactly how I read that. So I will tell you, that is the song I thought, those are the songs I thought of. <laughs> the ones that made me cry that's okay <laughs> and that's fine but I can tell you the ones that make me happy though no too. let's just do Easy. where you were in the moment and how you interpreted okay. the song so what do so, you have in the moment there are two songs that if you tell me they come on and they evoke this like emotional mm-hmm. response if I get teary-eyed uh-huh. and sometimes I have to like even I'm driving I have to hold back tears is going to be time of your life Mm-hmm. Good riddance. Like, I hope you had the time of your life. Oh. That is just like a long goodbye song to me. Okay. So there's that one. And Butterfly Kisses. Um, butterfly Kisses. It's the... It's I don't the, know names. I don't uh, know songs. Butterfly Kisses. No, don't... No, no. Okay. No, don't sing. Sorry. No, no, I know. It's... Kidding. Yeah. That's wise. <laughs> don't Here, sing. we'll do this one. Let's see. Butterfly there's, Kisses. Oh, 
butterfly yeah. kisses. Yeah. Really? Let's oh, get you. Well, think about it. He's taught, like, she's telling him, like, it's all the way from when she's little to when she's married. And I didn't even know about And then about she's the like, lyrics. butterfly kisses on his, on her dad's face. No, I've not. See, I don't listen to the lyrics. <laughs> well, then how does any song make you cry or laugh? <laughs> it's for me, like this, but I. Oh, yeah. I've never thought about the progression of the song. Oh, you need to listen to the words. I'm really bad at that, I guess. This is. It's a sweet song, yes. Okay, I'm going to listen to that later. But at the very end, she's getting married. And so it starts off with her as a little girl when she's going to bed giving butterfly kisses on his face to her, yeah. to her dad. Okay. And then at their wedding, it, or he's giving her away. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, I can start crying. <laughs> <laughs> well, look. It's at the end. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Look, I'm Why? getting teary. <laughs> Paper, you need a fan. Here, do you need a fan? Here, fan yourself. There you go. Oh my gosh. Oh my so goodness. That's hilarious and sad. I did not know that. Okay. Well, it's yeah, beautiful. Debbie's taking off her glasses. She's it is. really <laughs> She's sweating emotions from Saturday night. Oh my it gosh. Just keeps coming. Oh, I may I'm be sorry. I may be PMSing just a little bit too. Oh my gosh. But are you, are you allowed to do that? Are, are we too old to PMS? No, no unfortunately not. not. I'm old. ready to okay. be too old. <laughs> Um, no, but it's, it's the end when he's, it's at her wedding. And okay. so she gives him butterfly kisses on her, on wow. her dad's face. Okay. So we need to all listen to butterfly kisses or I just do. I, I guess. think you, I'm, I'm just gonna really shocked. To, you don't know the I words. Know. That's no, I've, I've heard it, but I've never thought about it unless I have to think about things. I don't, but I will say one of the, like the happy songs is like the friends theme song. So you I'll be there for you. I'm saying if you want to do both. I think I think there, oh, here, there. thank you. There you go. <laughs> She's I'm still wiping my eyes. Okay, so that's your first song. What's your yes. other song? My other one was the Say Time of Your Life. But oh, there's okay. a bad word in the very front, so don't play it until but there's a bad word in the front because it's pretty much saying there's a fork in the road. You've chosen different paths. But I hope before we take these different oh, paths, that yes, the Green Day, Good Riddance. Of your life. That's mm-hmm. always a great song oh, yeah. on a video montage of pictures. Oh, at the end of something. Yes, it's pretty much a goodbye so good. song, is yes. what I would say. But it does elicit this because I think every time I've heard it, it's yeah. because it's on some kind of montage of a yep. ending. Yes, of something, and, it and so it's, again, it's not a bad thing. Mm-mm. It's just to me, it, it does bring up absolutely the of, of stuff. So those are my t- those were my two since I only went sad. Apparently, You're so great <laughs> that you only went sad. This that's is really, really hilarious because uh-huh. I read your text again, and that is not Mm-mm. what you put. But that's how you interpret it, and that's <laughs> fine. Yeah. Okay, here's mine. Mine is the song which gets me. It doesn't evoke tears. Oh, that's no. That's just a fun chill. Yeah, yeah. But I could listen to this all day long. So that's mine. But I'd love that one for forever. Yeah. And that one is just always. That could be happy or sad. Really. Um, it's kind of where I went with that. But I think that came on, and I was like, oh, that's so good. And I love it when people do it a cappella. But I think some guys yes. were playing it in an airport, and that's what got me on my Instagram. Well, some, they'll do it. Um, like, I love it when people, like, random street performers will yes. perform it, and then they do it with harmony. There'll yes. be two or three. Oh, it's so great. It's so pretty. Yeah. Yeah. But the idea of, like, somewhere over the rain, wherever you're at in life, like, something is either it's going to get good, it's going to be better. It's Yeah. 
there's a rainbow there's a pot of gold i don't know i love yeah. that song and then when it's in movies it's at the end of my favorite movie you've got mail and i think that's where i started loving that's it most right. because I love oh that my movie. word i forgot about that movie i haven't oh, thought of that yeah. movie in so mm-hmm. long tom hanks and meg ryan mm-hmm. okay and then okay. here's another one that this evokes emotion because it reminds me of going to the dentist and orthodontist when I was growing up in middle school and junior high, and I still to this day, I hate the orthodontist and dentist. Oh, here we go. Here he is. Oh, that's funny. This also came on. Right, BG sings this. How deep is your love? Yeah. I think it's a good song. And I love yeah. the Bee Gees. But I legit, every time I hear it, it takes me back to sitting in orthodontist office and dentist office in junior high and high school. That's hilarious. So those are my emotions associated with that. I do think, I mean, you bring up a good point because I, I feel like so many of, of the emotions brought by songs are due to situations we have attached to those songs. So not always the songs themselves, even though for me, Mm -hmm. Butterfly Kisses, I think is just the storyline of it. But like the other one, Time of Your Life and all that is because of, and even think about that with hymns. Like there's a couple of hymns I've noticed that have been so attached to funerals to me because I've gone to so many funerals Mm -hmm. that have been so attached to those that when I kind of tear up now when they're played Mm -hmm. in regular service Mm because they're attached to people like it was my dad's favorite hymn so Mm -hmm. he played it at his funeral and my grandpa's funeral you know because he lives lives. or um it is well with my soul I love it but that is at every funeral every funeral and and so that, but again, I love that on it, a Sunday morning when like I've had a bad week and I'm like, oh yeah. yes, I, need I don't a mind reminder. singing it. It just is emotional for me. Same here. Yeah, I will get. Yeah. T- I will ball like you just yeah. did. Need a yeah. Kleenex box. Yeah. But the Gaither band too is another band. I love them. The Gaither yeah. old music oh, hymns yeah. and things. Yes, that's something I could listen to all. They do harmony, day. man. Those guys. They Phenomenal. do harmony like nobody's business. They're so good. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all I got for music. I just thought I was I was intrigued by it. Yes, I love those random questions. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, today on the podcast we have oh, speaking of singing, what an appropriate wow, opening. Didn't even think about that. Speaking of, we have um, Rick Crocker again. Not a great is, song. Oh yeah, that was great. <laughs> Sister Act. Wow. That's our intro to Rick. Um, we have Rick Crocker on again, who um, is trained in opera and sang for us the last time on the podcast. Mm-hmm. He's not singing this time, Mm-mm. but um, he sang for us the first time we had him on. Um, so we're excited to have him back. He's going to talk about just kind of some particulars about pastoral care that's super interesting and mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff our about his ministry. Too. And our need for it. And even church, not just little church, but big church, like church wide as just a body of Christ and believers, how important mm-hmm. it is. To care for one another, serve one another, and what that looks like. 
Because not everybody has well. the gift to go to a hospital. That's true. Not everybody. But he finds out somebody's in the hospital and he's there that afternoon. He's gone. Or that Which night. is great because maybe night. you're a life group leader or you are you care for somebody and you're like, hospitals stress me out. Mm-hmm. I don't like them. I've had bad memories associated to them. That's why Rick is here. People from the church are here to say, hey, help me. I can't do it. He'll and even he go. He makes a lot of home visits if there's like some trauma yes. going on in the home and some com- some difficulties. Mm-hmm. He will go. Like he's, he's really... Um, just he's been a real asset to our staff so yes we're excited to talk to him again mm-hmm. um anyway so that is it from our little intro so um here's the interview okay we're here with pastor rick crocker did i say that right you did okay there absolutely you, go. you can um hear his introductory podcast that we did last season season three episode i don't remember mm-hmm. yeah. but right it's there the it season. is it yeah. was towards it the end yeah. because you joined our our staff mm-hmm. towards the end of the spring yeah it was mid-april actually i just mid-April. passed my 90-day uh orientation review kind of thing so it's been you're three staying months. longer um, I guess you got, appro- you got approved to stay longer. I, I've been approved. <laughs> We're going to keep at you. least for another three months. That's good. That's good. I love it. That's good. I'm on a three month awesome. basis. Mm-hmm. I highly doubt that. Pretty he much does it for this him. It's for, for him. For it's, you. it's not for us. Pretty at this point, we're like, let's sign him for five years. Uh-huh. Um, so just to remind everybody what Rick does, he is our pastoral care pastor, but also works with our legacy crew, who is. Our senior adults. Our senior adults is right. So I've got this long handle: Minister of Pastoral Care and Senior Adults. Perfect. That's yeah. good. That is good, and it's is a long handle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a good thing that's not part of your email address that's right. or something. That's right. Um, so anyway, we have you here. You know, again, if you want to know more about Rick, you can go to the previous podcast. He but sings today, on the other one. So oh, he listen does. to that because he does opera. sing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the opera. Mm-hmm. Um, we're here today to talk more about pastoral care as it pertains to church in general, like mm-hmm. God's church, but then also specifically for you here at our church and what you do and how people can utilize you in your position. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're listening and you don't attend this church, then and you, but you need pastoral care then hopefully you have someone at your church in the similar spot that you can reach out to, right? And so we're fortunate here at Frisco First that we have a Mm -hmm. pretty good group of staff members. You know, we're large enough to where we can have several kind of niche roles. But Mm -hmm. anyway, so let's, I, my first question actually that I was going to um, ask you was, do you have a passage? I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. A passage that when you think pastoral care, Biblical yeah. care, a certain passage in the Bible or scripture comes to mind. Absolutely, I do. Yay. Can we hear it? Yeah. It's from First Peter. Okay. Uh, chapter 5. First Peter I, chapter actually, 5. Actually, I have it marked in my Bible. I kind of anticipated you. Look nice. at that. We didn't even warn him ahead of time. Yeah, you he didn't. He was already ready. So okay. uh, f- this is Peter. He's talking to the churches in the five provinces of Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey. Uh, and he's speaking specifically to the elders and the young men in chapter 5, but the first four verses are dedicated to a word to the elders in the church, those who are pastoring and overseeing the church, churches. He says, And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, and I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, 
but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, won't that be wonderful? Mm -hmm. You will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. Mm. That's such powerful Mm -hmm. words. And a great promise as well. Mm -hmm. And great instructions. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So good. Yeah, not only to care, but how How to to care and how not to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's a very powerful passage. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And even five goes on to say, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Mm-hmm. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Absolutely. And you really there. need to exercise humility in this role because you could, I think it's easy sometimes for those who shepherd God's flock to kind of feed on the, the praise that mm-hmm. sometimes you get. People are so thankful and grateful and love you and care about you. And if you don't, deal with that um, in a humble way Mm. and turning that glory back to God, you can get puffed up with pride easily, I think. So how do you do that on a practical, practical basis, on a practical level? I put my pants on one leg at a time. (laughs) (laughs) You say that as you're going to dress someone. I am putting my pants on one leg at a time like everybody else. Or they don't know this about me. I'm not as good as they think they, maybe. Yeah, my wife always says, oh, if they could only see see you now. Uh (laughs) And she keeps you humble, too. She absolutely does. That's good. She keeps me on the straight and narrow. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I, I think humility is something that's, desperately needed today among the professional clergy because especially in mega churches we get all of these big personalities and everything tends to focus on them and their preaching and their teaching and and all and people mm-hmm. start kind of worshiping the personality rather than mm-hmm. the god that we serve so true it is true i think it is a real problem thinking of all the things church. yes there's so many places we can go with that Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to touch anything. No, I know. <laughs> that's <laughs> another. That's we're going to use, use wisdom and just keep rolling. So if um, we were, we were talking a bit, I've got like a bunch of questions. I'm sure Christy does too. We were talking a bit before we started the podcast on just, we have people in our church that come to us with needs. Like we were talking about mm-hmm. all the time. Your kind of um, position is unique. And that is, that is primarily what you deal with, right? A lot of times on a day-to-day basis here are people who need help in some way. So if someone's listening to this and going, man, I feel like I could talk to somebody, like what is the first steps to even doing that? So a couple of things related to that. I I feel like I'm at the Spears point. So I'm the gatekeeper. I'm not the one doing all the pastoral care. I mean, we have a, a talented, gifted team of professional ministers and and leaders along with our life group leaders you know over all of the church and within Mm -hmm. your ministries as well so my job i think is kind of being the the triage unit Mm -hmm. that make i'm the initial contact many times and i make sure that a life group is tending to that need or someone is seeing a professional counselor or another pastor on our team is is aware of that need and they can get alongside of that individual or that family and make sure that the needs are cared for. Sometimes I'm not the person who is the initial contact, 
but the reverse happens. The contact is made through one of you, mm -hmm. uh, one of the ministers on our team, and they say, hey, Rick, I think it would behoove you to, to speak to so-and-so. So I'll reach out to that individual, learn more, and see how we can help what resources we can provide and, and come alongside that individual or family and assist them back to a place of well-being and wholeness. Mm. So get, what are some examples of things that you, of, when you say triage, that involves, yeah. I think of a hospital, triage has involved in many different yeah. things. So well, what are all the different facets of that? For well, you? hospital visits are one of them. Right. So, oh, you go to the you know, so I go to the hospital and, and I think that's really important. I have all of my pastoral ministry felt like when an individual is in crisis and, and they're going through a hospitalization, they need not only the attention of the medical professionals, but it's often a time when people are, are hungry for spiritual support and encouragement. And even for those who are not following Christ at that point, often they're more open uh, to spiritual things and spiritual discussions. So... I always like to know when someone is going to be in the hospital to make sure that I can drop in and say hello, uh, read a passage of scripture, share a word of prayer, find out if there are there ways that we can help your family while you're going through this hospitalization. So hospital stays are one of those times that are really important in um, pastoral care. In addition to that, uh, of course, times when people people, individuals, or families are grieving. Mm. So when a death has occurred, uh, it's important for me or one of our pastors to, to attend to that, those who are surviving uh, during the time of, of loss and grief, that they know that the church is there. We want to serve them not only during the initial uh, preparations for the memorial service or the funeral, but in the days and weeks that follow to make sure that the person person and the family is processing that grief in a mm. God-honoring and, and healthy way. Mm. So that's one of those times. Also, times of financial crisis. A lot of people find themselves these days, in particular these days, uh, needing uh, some financial assistance. Their back's against the wall financially. Uh, something has happened, whether it's medical debt or uh, just loss of income through joblessness, whatever it may be. And the church has uh, what we call our benevolence fund, which are restrict, uh, restricted funds that are given by the members of our church that are administered by the church to those who are in need. And I happen to be the point person for that. So anytime I become aware of that need, I, I seek to meet with that individual or that family, talk with them about their need, and then uh, follow up in providing resources where and how we can. And I think, right, if I remember correctly, we have people that give to that very generously. We do. Like, I think I recall someone or a couple of people saying it's more generous than many churches in town. It is. Uh, I was rather surprised, actually, mm -hmm. when I saw uh, the fund and how many people contribute to that and the resource that is there for us to help yeah. individuals within our church family. Currently, that's just for individuals who are either members or adherents here at Frisco First, and um, if they're active in attendance or ministries of the church, um, we're able to help them mm -hmm. in those financial ways. Yep. Mm -hmm. We've also used that a lot for counseling. Absolutely. So right. there, yeah. So there are times when the, you know, 
either I or you or other ministers on our team become aware that an individual would benefit from professional counseling. And so rather than uh, one of our ministers getting tied down to a counseling relationship with someone for a long-term period of time, uh, we encourage them to get connected to a professional counselor. And so the church will, right now our policy is that we will provide for four individual uh, professional counseling appointments with a Christian counselor in our area, <clears throat> pardon me, and we have a list of recommended mm -hmm. counselors that we refer to on a regular basis, have a good relationship with them, and the church picks up the cost of those initial four. Now, if an individual needs to go for more than that, we can meet again and talk through that and, and see what the extended need is, or the individual or family can pick up the cost of that after those first four appointments. Mm. That's yeah. good. It is. That's huge. And because, I mean, I don't think people realize how much counseling costs Ooh, oh, until you until you need it. <laughs> it's like 120 an hour just starting yeah. off, like yeah. base maybe. Yeah, it's not unusual to see 150 or $200 yeah. an hour. An hour. Yeah. I'm going to be a counselor. Yeah, it's a lot. Well, a and lot. they have to cover their own insurance. <laughs> like I was like, why do you, I, I have a lot of friends who are counselors. And I remember asking them, why do you charge so much? And they were like, well, think about it. They have to pay all their own rent, all their own insurance, all Absolutely. their own coverage, everything. And I'm like, well, when you, and then they, you can only fit so many in a day and, right. and often people can't cancel, you know? And mm -hmm. anyway, I was like, well, that's, I guess that's true, but it's a lot for the individual. Mm -hmm. And what if you have multiple family members that need to go? Now, it, and that's hard. That's really, that hard. is really hard. Now in those cases, we'll consider four appointments for each for, member of the family that needs counseling mm -hmm. along the way. Yeah, because yeah. that does happen. If there's a traumatic event in the family, mm -hmm. it's going to affect, impact everybody. Absolutely. So what do you love most about pastoral care? Like, how do you see, I know you just love church. You love God's church, God's people. Um, so how in, do you see yourself in that? In this season in my ministry, and, you know, I'm kind of on the downward slope. <laughs> you all are still... "Quote unquote," climbing the ladder. I'm on. I don't the, know about that. I'm I feel on, like I'm I'm on. I'm reaching the downward part a little bit. But yeah, you're go at ahead. the top of the hill to the then go top. down. I'm staring at that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've been on the mountaintop. I'm going, going down, down the valley. You're going down. You're speeding up. Uh, I am speeding up. <laughs> I I think for me to be able to just be an under shepherd in Christ's body is is such a joy to me. It doesn't feel like work. Hmm. Uh, people will say to me who who know what I've done in the past and and all the different seasons of ministry I I've had, they'll ask and say, "So, what do you think? Do you like what you're doing?" Absolutely love what I'm doing, and it doesn't feel like work mm -hmm. because I love people. I love caring for people. I want to make sure I help people to a place of vibrant spiritual health where they are reconciled to God and reconciled to one another, and they're living the, the abundant life that Christ came to give us. And if they're not living that, I want to make sure, let's remove those obstacles, let's mm -hmm. take those barriers out of the way so you can live that abundant life that Jesus gives. Well, you've done a good job of removing barriers for some people, but you've added to some people's skill set and desires and love, like the prayer team. Yeah. There's people that are gifted in prayer and have a passion for it. And kind of putting those pieces together. Talk about your prayer team and what yeah. that looks like. You came in with how many people on the prayer team? Uh, I think there were eight mm -hmm. on the team when, when I came. 
and right now we're just consolidating the mm-hmm. team, getting our feet on the ground, understand what we're doing. Um, and we've begun during my first 90 days here now to act as service hosts mm-hmm. on the live stream and our okay. uh, Facebook and YouTube. And so we're there and available to people who have joined us via live stream or one of the social mm-hmm. media outlets. And we can let them know that we're praying for them, make them feel welcome mm-hmm. to the service, all the rest. And then we have members of the prayer team that are available at the end of each of our worship hours on Sunday mornings uh, to be available for prayer. And people are responding, and we're having a great opportunity to, to talk with people, to pray for people, mm-hmm. and to connect them in into a, a more meaningful way here in the church body. Mm-hmm. I don't think people utilize our prayer team. Not as much as they could, yeah, for sure. And that's one of my goals is to really see the ministry of prayer here at the mm-hmm. church grow and expand. Mm-hmm. Because I, th- I think you're absolutely right, Christy. I don't think a lot of people um, access mm. our Good prayer word. team and and the passion that I mean, the people that we have yes. are passionate about prayer. Passionate, to say the least. And they're praying for mm-hmm. uh, our church and its ministries through the week and mm-hmm. on Sunday morning during the services and with people after services, prayer is their passion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just hope that people, if they feel a need for having someone to come alongside in intercessory prayer, please let us know. Mm-hmm. And there's a place on our website, uh, friscofirst.church, that you can go and you can submit a prayer request. I, I funnel those requests out to our prayer ministry team members and then on Sundays, I provide a, a sheet of prayer prompts, including mm-hmm. those prayer requests to our the members of our prayer ministry team mm-hmm. so that they have those and can be praying for them on Sunday and throughout the week. Mm-hmm. I always think about people feeling intimidated about walking down and asking for prayer. Like, how do they get over that hump of going, mm-hmm. I need prayer. I need prayer so bad, but I don't want the whole world to see me. Or I don't know what to, what do I say when I get in front of that person? Like, yeah. hey. You know what I mean? Like, and it's some, it's hard for some people to say, I need prayer. That's but true. I think just appearing in front of, and there's your a humility party. in that for sure. Yeah. But I, I just, yeah. how does someone get over that hump of saying, Hey, it's, that's a good thing to ask for prayer and that someone will pray for you. That is beneficial. That is what you're called to do. It's an, you talk more on that. Well, I don't know that I can answer your question about how do you get over Well, that. you're fired. You can leave now. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I think, but you're right. It is hard to ask for help, whether it's asking yep. for benevolence help. That's a good point. Or to, I need help with a counselor, or I need prayer. Yeah. It's, it's hard to admit that we have a need. Interesting that you bring this particular topic up, though. I was talking to one of our prayer team members this past Sunday, at the end of the second service, and he was telling me about the experience that he'd had a couple weeks prior in which he was there, nobody came Mm -hmm. up front, nobody was asking for prayer, and he was about ready to leave. And most people had exited the worship Mm -hmm. center and had gone home or off to lunch or wherever they were going. And he was just about ready to leave, and someone had just been kind of circling in the back of the worship oh, waiting. center, awesome. waiting for the clear place out. to empty out and clear out. And then they came forward, introduced themselves. Mm. He had the opportunity to talk to that individual and pray with that individual. But it was the, as you say, yeah. the barrier that maybe the, 
I don't know if it was shame or just embarrassment mm. of walking forward, talking with mm-hmm. one of those prayer team members. Yeah. But what a precious time of mm-hmm. ministry they had together after things cleared out. And, mm-hmm. and Do you it, think that's something that you see as the DNA of certain bodies? We all have like certain personalities, right? Yeah. Bodies Church of or people? Pe- churches. Church, okay. like, I'm, like bodies of believers, yeah. I think. Just like communities, yeah. You just you take on certain personalities, part of the DNA of who you are, right? And you've seen enough churches. Do you think you think that's true in most churches, or do you think this is kind of a depends on where you are thing? Like, what do you think the barrier? Do you think those are barriers unique to certain churches, or? Hmm. Well, I think churches definitely have different personalities and temperaments, yeah. and and this one has a different personality and temperament from others that I've served. I, I think part of it is the age in which we're living, though, too. And a lot of that is conditioned, I believe. You, you can refute this if you want. But I believe a lot of it is conditioned on what people are seeing on social media and kind of the glamorous, beautiful picture that we put on our lives on social media. So our beautiful home the latest gourmet meal that we prepared, our lovely children, our perfectly decorated Christmas tree, you know, our beautifully dressed uh, kids, whatever it might be, we're always putting our best foot forward out on social media. And so for someone who's feeling great need or depressed or lonely or isolated or feel like, I don't have anything compared to that person who's my friend on Facebook or their pictures that I see on Instagram Mm -hmm. or whatever. It's hard to say, I don't measure up. I'm in need. I don't know. How do you all feel about that? So then that, what you're saying is that is impacted then even our ability as believers to commune together and be honest and humble about our stuff yeah. In real life, just like, so it's almost like life is now reflecting social media instead of social media reflecting life as it was supposed to. Now social media is more driving our decisions. I believe so. Um, instead of the other way around. Uh, which what is, do you think? Do you think I, so? I think I've heard other people say the same thing. Yeah. It does seem like, right, that means more churches and affluent areas that may have more of an issue of keeping up with the mm-hmm. neighbor next door. Yeah, and may remember have more where we issues. are. We're yeah. in Frisco, Texas. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the most wealthy cities in the United States, Mm. you know, fast growing, fast living, all of that. And and I think that that impacts a bit of who we are as a church. Not totally, but it impacts. Oh, I think you're right. I think you're spot on with that for sure. And I think also, like you were saying, financial need. It's not, not only can I not admit, maybe I need prayer for some heavy stuff, but also I don't want to admit there's a financial need because we're all about cloaking that in North Texas, I think taking out another credit card to max yeah. it out yeah. to max it. I mean, yeah. I think we're just, um, which is a shame because in some ways then how do you break down those barriers? How do you do that? Mm-hmm. Because we're saying it's a, your it does make your job harder because then you have this other additional layer to get through, to poke through. You do have to poke through it. Right. To yeah. get to people's With stuff. With an ice pick. Sometimes. Ice pick. <laughs> yeah. That's Sometimes what I'm visualizing. To, to, to mm-hmm. get people to yeah. come to a place to mm-hmm. say, I really need help. Yeah. To be yeah. real, to pull back the curtain, to be like, you know what? I don't care what people think. I'm hurting that bad. I need help. Or we need something. And I think that 
you just hit the nail on the head there, Christy, it, in that creating a culture of authenticity, mm-hmm. of being real. And that's one of our staff values, being real. I, I appreciate that, mm-hmm. that we can be authentic and real with one another. That culture of authenticity needs to spread throughout our congregation mm-hmm. and our church where it's okay to not have life all put together, right. to have all the answers, mm-hmm. to, to not look like, uh, you know, the, the best-dressed family in, in Frisco, you know. To have kids who aren't making the best decisions. Yeah. To have spouses who aren't making the best decisions. Exactly. To have, I mean, like. That's so hard. It is so hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I think of that, of how to get through and just over the years, and that's why we're so grateful you're here because I think we could use the help. It has always been a struggle. Um, it just takes so long. I, I honestly don't have any answer. Like I've, I think we've talked think about it, it takes for less a long time. If more of us but. did it, it takes a longer time when it's a human or a couple, but it takes less time if more people were real and honest and raw about life. Like, yeah, my kid did X, Y, Z. Yeah. Yeah. They have personal choice. They can yeah. do like versus yeah. being like, don't want anybody to know. But I heard many conversations where you hear moms say, do not let anybody know in your small group because hmm. they didn't want the kid to tell people in their small group that they wouldn't tell their parents. And then it would have mm-hmm. that r- ripple effect. Mm-hmm. I've had people say, Hey, I need counseling. Don't tell anybody. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm not sad. going to it That's sad. That yeah. every time it breaks my heart. Like number one, I'm not going to, but you don't need to, in my opinion, you shouldn't have to preface it on a typed email to us. I'm not going to talk to your, yeah. your business anyway. Right. But the fact that they feel the need to, hey, I just want to make sure you don't tell anybody. Yeah. Where I'm yeah. like, no, you should be telling all of your, all of your friends should be telling you, you need counseling. I think that's, Go get counseling. That seems to be more of the thing too, is who's your support system? Because what I do find interesting, I mean, I've been counseling, like we, last year I had to go through some counseling just with stuff and Chris, we've talked about it on the podcast and Christy and I talked about but it. But it's okay if you but need more. I know, and I do, and <laughs> I will. Okay. I am all about it. Yeah, but but the thing is, is that there is some time you need in quiet to process, right? With totally. you and just one or two other, you don't want people constantly asking you or, mm-hmm. you know, because you just need some quiet. You just yeah. need some time. But then I'm like... That is a season part of that too. If you're feeling like you have to hide all the time, like there's so much shame. I, I think part of it seems like what social media has done and a culture of pretty has done is shame us from anything that doesn't look right mm-hmm. and look perfect. And I think people would say the church has done a horrible job of that for a lot of years at times. I'm saying big C church in right. general, right? right? I mean, to the, and so I don't, Shame is such a, Mm. and we've heard about that from people on our podcast who have related to things we've talked about. Shame is such an intense, Mm. difficult thing. Shame gets me all the time. Thing. Like, I don't want people, I don't know. And then you have to be like, stop it. Yeah. Like, stop. Stop talking about, stop thinking that way. Stop doing that. This is your, you know, whatever. Like, when we had our, when we're going through our house issues, house fire, Mm -hmm. whatever, I remember my daughter being like, why does everybody have to know? And I'm like, well, we didn't tell, but they love us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They love us. And yeah. that, and she just was like, oh, I hate everybody knowing my business. 
And I'm like, well, it's not just yours, girlfriend. It's all six of our businesses. So deal with that. <laughs> but it was interesting. And I had to communicate with her. This is a, this is your body. Like this is the church. These people love you. Yeah. They care about you. Yes. They brought you panties and underwear. And you think that's weird, but that's because that one mom that was like, I had this happen to me. This is what you need on day two. So, her, so we yep. had a real life experience. And so she went to church and so she comes out of her life group and her life group is great. Trisha and April are wonderful. And I go, well, how was it? She was like, I talked about it. And I was like, did everything good? Yeah, good. Went fine. <laughs> I was like, was it that big a deal? Move on. No, yeah. That's yeah. how she does it. Yeah. She's yeah. like, move on. It's fine. Yeah. And I was like, was it a big, no, wasn't a big deal. Are you glad you did? I mean, I guess. <laughs> but I was like, but do you see how you made a big deal about it in your head? Right. Yeah. And in reality, and it really wasn't. It wasn't. And yeah. your people asked you questions. They care about you. But you are giving people, in some way, power to hurt you a little bit when you open up your vulnerabilities like mm-hmm. that. And so I do think being okay with that and saying people aren't going to be perfect, even mm-hmm. in their responses to me, is a part of growing. Like it's, you know, we've all been there when maybe we haven't responded the best or somebody else hasn't responded the best when we're sharing something that's hard or difficult. But like, so it went great, but what if it hadn't? Yeah. She was opening herself up mm-hmm. to that possibility. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a risk, isn't it? It's yeah. a risk. Yeah. And we've had it to where it it's has gone bad for her and she gets her feelings hurt. Right. But then we have to go, well, that person is hurting. So they're going to hurt you because they're in a right. hurting place. In and life. they're not perfect. They're no. not going to say it well, perfect to you. 15, right. 16 year old girls. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, Even I, women. I think yeah. it goes back to something you said earlier, though, about the need for us to lead by example Mm -hmm. that we need to be authentic. We need to be real and be willing to admit that we don't have it all together. You know, we don't have all the answers, but we're fellow adventurers and Mm -hmm. we're making the journey right alongside of you. And it's okay to admit that you don't have Mm -hmm. it all together. Yeah. There's a lady sitting in my office yesterday and she talked about it. She said, you know what? I don't do a good job of letting my kids know Mm -hmm. how I feel about things. Or how what I'm struggling with, yep. and her kids are not little, but they're like middle school, and I was like, I remember being in that place. I remember being like, okay, they're out of the chaos phase of diapers and feeding every five hours or three hours, and now they're like, oh, they can sit on the couch, or something happens, and they can get the feel and the vibe in the house of what's going on, and then learning to say that hurt my feelings, or this is how I'm, this is what I'm going through, and so now you become a person to them, Mm -hmm. not just a mom. Like you're now like. Oh, she, she does have a heart. She does have feelings yeah. and really opening up. And so I remember sharing with her going, you've got to engage in those feelings because she's not a sharer. She's not mm-hmm. an extrovert. She's like, I'm, I don't even like to talk. And she's like, I have to learn to talk. And if you're somebody kids. wants to move on fast from those hard feelings, it is hard to talk about yeah, it. Or she's more, an right? internalized and she processes mm-hmm. on her own. But it was like, I loved her realization of like, I need to become a person to my kids. Like I need to share with them so that they grow up in a real household going, Oh, mom's not this stoic person that has no feelings. Yeah. Well, and in that too, and on those occasions, she can be modeling the right way to handle it, to handle it and process it. And this is how you deal with those kind of emotions and feelings Mm -hmm. that aren't always pretty. Some of them are ugly and messy Mm -hmm. and, but you can model to your children what that should look like. Mm -hmm. So good advice to give her. Well, it was good for her to say that I was impressed yeah because so so often we don't think about that so it's, it kind of goes to that quote I was reading some of my notes from a class I had taken and I thought of you Rick uh-huh. and it, this it kind of goes along to this it was specifically on 
kind of like um, trust and forgiveness hmm. and stuff. And one of the, the quote it says is trust is a proportional virtue because it requires wise engagement and forgiveness and fruit, like a repentance. And forgiveness, it says, is I'm making a commitment to not dwell on your offense or reduce you to your failure. Absolutely. And so, because what I thought about... Wait, you got to say that again. Is okay. trust three things? No, trust is a proportional virtue, is the wise right. engagement that based on fruit of repentance and forgiveness. So yes, yeah, three, three things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Because... And I was, and it made me think, cause I'm, and I think about this with like pastoral care and counseling and like ask in humility, because it's that wise engagement mm-hmm. that you need, which basically means I'm caring for you in a way that's wise. Like I'm not necessarily, you come off the street. I don't know you. I'm not giving you everything. Cause what if this isn't good for you? Like right. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about that, right. right? I may have to say no. I may have to say no. Right. But I need to know your story, which means I'm going to care for your story well. I'm going to enter that wisely. And then um, the fruit of repentance, the forgiveness and fruit of repentance is we need to kind of talk about where that needs to happen, like with families Mm -hmm. and counseling or whatever. But the bigger thing is the trust is I'm not going to reduce you to your failure Mm -hmm. or to your offense. That is so important. And I, I'm so pleased that you brought that up because I, I think when someone gets to the place where they can be vulnerable, admit their need, and that they need help, that on my end or on your end, when mm-hmm. you're talking to an individual like that, you are holding something very, very sacred in your hand. And you have to treat that individual with honor and respect and not do damage to their soul as they've laid their life bare mm-hmm. before you. And you need to be a trustee of that yeah. in a way that continues to build trust that, so that hopefully over time, more and more, the trust will grow and more and more you can walk along, alongside that individual to a place of health and, and wholeness. Uh, but, it's, it's a process. It is. Because mm. you can't get past the shame without trust. There's no, no way. No. So I think of that with people coming up to up front to the prayer team and trusting yeah. those yes. individuals with their story. If they don't have trust there, they haven't seen it over and over mm-hmm. or felt it over and over, they're not going to be able to get past that barrier, right, well, we, to get yeah. up there. I was going to say this pray. earlier and when we were talking about why is it so hard for people today to do that. I think part of what you just hit on is that we don't see a whole lot of it anymore. Mm-hmm. A generation ago... It was every Sunday all the Every time. Sunday mm-hmm. at the end of service, you know, the pastor would... Wednesday night, Sunday morning, yeah, Sunday evening. Extended yeah. invitation. <laughs> time, people yeah. would respond. You'd see yeah. people mm-hmm. moving out of their seats. Mm-hmm. Even in the church in which I grew up, I remember if, if someone felt like the Holy Spirit was dealing with them and they were really struggling to, to come to a place of confessing that to God, mm-hmm. occasionally a wise elder would come over and stand next to the person and just put their arm around them mm-hmm. to give them courage. We don't see that kind of thing much anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not criticizing anyway. It's just not the habit of the contemporary church. And so because you don't see that happening, there's even more of a barrier there that you have to climb over, mm-hmm. I think. No, I would agree with you. I think so. Mark does it when he um, mm-hmm. preaches, I've noticed, mm-hmm. which I'm very thankful for. But I still think it could be. And especially if we as a church are inviting people to come to the church and we're opening up our doors, like it should be a conversation every week. Yeah. I just don't think that gets old. 
I'm not there yet. I mean, maybe in 20 years, I'll be like, oh, we can pass on that. But I just think everybody, there's so many new people that are coming to our church and that want to know. And it's just, and if nobody comes, that's fine. But to at least give them the chance. Mm -hmm. And I will say, I do think we have a different situation here because we don't have kids or students in there. And so I feel like I grew up in a time where we had kids and students in there. And so every week there was a child or there or was a, a student person. or a young yeah. person walking up yeah, that's for right. an altar call because that was a point in life where you just see a lot of, Making we see a lot of salvations in kids ministry. We see yeah. a lot mm-hmm. of them in student ministry. And I, I mean, sometimes I'm like, that's kind of a cool thing to have. We don't oh, have, so the, refreshing. we don't have the energy in there sometimes with worship. I feel like, cause we don't have the teens always in an, in, or we don't have the teens and adult, but then also seeing those salvations when you have them going on in our areas and you guys don't get to, and adults don't get yeah. to see It's a spiritual boost. It is. Totally. Yeah. Don't you? I mean, and for, especially the people that yeah. just take for granted and they don't realize we're not mm-hmm. in the Bible belt anymore. Like we're mm-hmm. in an area where yeah. people this need Jesus. This is a mission Jesus. field. Yes. Yeah. And this mm-hmm. is it. They, they're not everybody coming here knows mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, for a person who's been serving the Lord for many, many years, mm-hmm. maybe in decades, having the the opportunity to see a child or a young person make that kind of first time commitment is a real boost to them yeah, you know is. to remember the joy mm-hmm. of having Christ found you and saved mm-hmm. you and redeemed you by his precious blood to know that wow that's happening for that young person is mm-hmm. an incredible thing yeah and it's a start it's not the end at all this exactly. is a start of a remarkable remarkable yep. thing and change and journey and and I think you're right I think it's life-giving mm-hmm. when you have that kind of that energy that gives and so again it builds the tr- the constant building of the engagement and mm-hmm. the interactions is mm-hmm. what builds the trust for the process and for um, being open yeah and honest and, and it's real. A, it's so. acknowledging the spirit still moving in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can go to some churches and be like, oh, it's dead in yeah. here. When's Let's... the last time you had a salvation or yes. a baptism? Or yeah, whatever. knowing the spirit's working. Thank you, Lord. Like, this yeah. is a vibrant church. Your people are doing what they're supposed to be doing, and you're working. I still love it, though, when you see an older person get baptized. I always oh, cry. Yeah. Absolutely. Like that all, it always gets me. The little yeah. kids, I'm like, that's cute, but don't hit your head with the big people. But when you get the, the big people, the older people, oh, they're like. Oh, for me, it's seeing a, a dad baptizes kids. Oh, that gives you. Oh, very special. Very yes. special. But I, our baptistry is, makes me nervous every time. <laughs> I mean, can we just talk about it for just a minute, please? It is so nerve-wracking. I have to sit in the back. Whoever sits next to me is like, you're talking loud. going to fall, flip out <laughs> the back. Don't worry. Our pastors know what they're doing. Oh, my gosh. But it's so close. Like, because they dip them, and you're like, okay, scoot up, scoot up before you dip them back. And you're like, oh, that just grazed the side. It makes me my nervous. My dad came, my dad, because my husband got baptized as an adult here when we first came here, and um, many, many years ago. But my dad came to the baptism, and I still remember... Him coming out of that service going, I've never seen a Baptist church without a baptistry. A baptistry. <laughs> <laughs> well, said, this church used to have a, a baptistry, right? Well, yeah, we had it, old... we didn't put it in the new building. Right, right. And so we had this tank at the front of the <laughs> service thing that was this. The like, trough. We the just trough. brought the trough from the local fields mm-hmm. over. And my dad got this. He just, he giggled about that. He just thought that was so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey, one thing but, that I wanted to, to yeah, bring Yeah, get us up. back on track. No, right? no, Thank no. You. That's, that's, that's no, it's been great conversation. I was thinking about our conversation today and, and thinking about this, that I don't believe in the contemporary church today 
in the structure of the contemporary church that there's a, a serious, there's a place for a serious discussion about the state of one's soul. So you and I have had conversations about this, and I think you're absolutely right. Say yeah. that so more. I haven't, so inform me. Yes, well, and that, I was like, I love when you talk about this. Yeah. I think you're I so just, good at it. I, I just feel like in today's church, we've taken away the opportunity for a heart-to-heart relationship mm. about another person's soul and where they are in their journey. And, and I'll tell you why I think that. And it goes back to my childhood. I, I grew up in a, a very small country church. It was Methodist. And part of the, the old-time Methodist tradition was something that was called a class meeting. And it was it's kind of like our uh, contemporary small groups mm. today or life groups. But there was a structure that was created by the Wesley brothers, John and Charles Wesley, uh, for these bands and classes. And one of the questions, the opening question of the class was, how is it with your soul? That's exactly what the question was. How is it with your soul? And the class leader, and my grandmother happened to be the class leader, and I can remember her doing this. Class meeting was once a month going around in the little class and to every single person, every person, how is it with your soul? And there was enough trust in that group Mm -hmm. and authenticity in that group that people were real in their answers to my grandmother, who was Mm -hmm. the questioner, but then they would talk about it together as a group. They would pray about it together as a group. There would be follow up as a group, you know, and even in our life group structure, I love our life groups and mm-hmm. I love our emphasis on life groups, but I don't even think that it's a safe place to have that kind of discussion with another person. And so there's very few places in today's church where you can have a real honest discussion about the state of your own soul. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's kind of where my analysis is, has been of late. Yeah. Debbie's all Christy, happy. I am. Come on. Well, I'm like, yeah. I am too. But you say more. No, you go first. You no, go, Christy. You go. You go. Oh. No, I got nothing wrong. Um, I like okay. it. I like the. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And I like the context it's in. I like how it's set up. I like yeah. all of that. And I think if we were to be like, hey, I think that question needs to be asked more. Yeah. But I don't even know if you had you would have people that wanted to we'll ask that to, to ask oh to it, even ask, ask it i would say ask we're in a position too probing uh-huh. yeah. yeah and because i would say we're in a position where our leaders don't even know the How spot where everybody is hmm. who they're actively involved with That's and engaged with true. here i would say they don't even know I, I don't even know that we're ready to ask that question yeah. i think we don't know if the person sitting in our life group is a seeker we don't know if the person we have sitting in our life group is someone who's deep diving with the Lord right now or not? Like we don't, we don't know the answer to those questions. Because and again, so, we have all these masks up. With well, and there's not a lot of time, which we're trying to work on that. Right. But also you have new people potentially coming to your life group every sure. week. Consistency is a real problem yeah. in a place like ours where people are going to visit college kids every weekend or they're taking their kids to soccer or mm-hmm. swimming or softball or basketball or whatever. And so then when you have that inconsistent inconsistency, it's hard to build the trust. Yeah. It's hard to actively engage with everyone to be able to have those conversations. 
And so then it becomes, how do you build smaller groups and even your life group from out of that, that meet at different times that then build that. That's where it's got to be. At. It has to be that. In that sanctuary. Yes. Yeah. It has outside to be that of Sunday outside morning. of yeah. that. Oh, it was absolutely outside of Sunday morning. It yeah. has to be a sanctuary yeah. outside of that that you can then know, and then everyone's given permission. Mm-hmm. You get to know where I'm at. You right. get to know where I'm at. You, oh, This group, we get to know where each other are, and if I'm going to challenge you on something, you've given me permission to do that yeah. in a loving, kind way. And I know I that you're going to respond to me exactly. with Christ's love, exactly. in kindness, yes. not disrespect, yeah, in gentleness. Yes. Yes. Rebuke me, reproof me if yes. I need to be, but do it with gentleness and self-control. And and, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're getting better. There's yeah. groups like that forming here. And I think, I think like that already formed. Yes. I don't, I think yes, it would be awesome right. to challenge them to even say, Hey, go a step further. How does one find a group like that here in our church? If, if you're interested in having that kind of mm. soul bearing, uh, discussion with another, how do you go about finding that? Do you just prayerfully think, first? Yeah. Right? And I think it starts kind of organically. I think it goes from Bible studies and life groups and then people form. That's why it's hard to get your hands on it. Cause uh-huh. I do think, I think it's kind of organic. There, right? I do think it's there. I, do. I, think I would it's right for the taking because there's so, and I'm going to speak on the women's side mm-hmm. because you see groups that come to the Bible studies. You see groups that come and they do life together and they do it really well. Like the mops groups, the older ladies, some of the ladies that are in different life groups, they do life well together. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if we've said, Hey, why don't y'all meet and have a question like this? Have a discussion like this? Because we like to sit around and talk about very topical mm-hmm. things or just kind of what's going on. No one wants to that fill are safe. this question. Yes. They're safe. And say, hey, um, that we were talking about different things at summer Bible study. And one of the older ladies said, God, well, this is going to change our lunch discussion now. And I was like, good. Yay. That's what I said. I said, this is so great. And then I paused yeah. and I went, is it really? She said, nope, not at all, but I wish it would. Oh. I know. And I was like, oh. dang it. I'm going to circle back on that one because <laughs> I want it to change your lunch discussion. It yeah. should not be all about your grandkids, grandkids and your kids and, and your yeah. life and your ailments or. Was it say your doctor's visits? <laughs> doctor's visits <laughs> or husband now. issues. Like ask a question about your soul yeah. and then let it just sit there yeah. and just wait. Just like your prayer person. Yeah. Just be present. Just yeah, sometimes it is just being present. Just being present. You know, interestingly, back to my childhood memory, at the end of each of those classes, do you know what the established question was at the end? No. Is it Are valid? all hearts clear? Are all oh, hearts clear? And I can remember my grandmother looking over her half glasses <laughs> and kind of scanning the small group. And does that mean, okay, I don't know, know if I understand it. Does that mean, okay, does your heart, do you have clarity of what you need to do? Or does that mean like you you've expunged your chest? Did you get yourself? It off, yeah, did you get it you've... off your chest? Did you confess your sin? Did you recognize your fault? Do you recognize what you so need to do? So is there a 90% clear answer a... or does it have to be all or nothing? <laughs> I think it just has to be something. Like I, I did yeah. one thing for one for yeah. somebody. I it progressed. Might... Yes. I okay. made movement towards yeah. this. Okay. Yeah. That's and really just sharing. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, just yeah. offering up a sharing voice, I would think would be a huge win. Well, and people think the ones asking the question are perfect or clear all the time too. We're all a mess. But that's what I'm saying. It's not always the leaders coming up with a great question. No. They don't always have it. To, they don't no. have it together either. No. So that's what people need to know and realize. Like we're even all, those that we're all in it we're together. We're all on a journey. Yes. And it's a messy journey. It's and a we're very sinners, messy. so we're gonna screw it up. Yeah. Oh, and that's, that's a, okay. Great. That's a given. And I need God's grace every day. Every morning. 
Yeah. Every yeah. single morning. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, I would agree. And there's so much we could go with all that. I did oh want to go word. one place because go you've got really it. good Do notes. It. At the very top of that paper, it says the word pastor. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at there. Yeah. She's reading my notes. I am. I'm looking over his shoulder. Over yeah. his shoulder. Uh, I'm a good student. I come prepared. Uh, <laughs> You're not shaming me. I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> you wanted to speak about that, and it looks so, like you did yeah, some good research. So I, uh, yeah, the word pastor actually comes from the Latin, which is pastus, coming from the Latin verb passere, which means to shepherd or mm. to nourish or to feed. And the whole image of Psalm 23 and Wait, the Lord I, is my fast. shepherd. Yeah. Remember that. Yeah. Say that again. It comes from to pat to shepherd. To shepherd, to, to feed, feed, or to nurture. Does it yeah. mean to lord over, to domineer, Correct. to not even teaching? Which goes back to second the first Peter mm-hmm. passage. You know, don't domineer. Don't dom- that's yeah. what I was thinking of. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Keep Yeah, going. but it's to shepherd, to mm-hmm. nurture, to feed. And so I, I really think in, in my role here as... Minister of Pastoral Care, there's a slice of nurturing, there's mm-hmm. a slice of guiding, there's a slice of protecting, and then a fourth and final slice of sustaining, mm-hmm. of sustaining the, the progress and growth that has been made and building on those foundation stones. Again, taking that person on that lifelong journey uh, until we go home to glory mm-hmm. to um, see them grow in 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 the likeness of Jesus. Mm, so good. good. So good. Mm. Well, any last question? Cause we have been talking now for a while. So yeah. it's actually time to wrap it up. Good. So Thank it was you. so good. So good. Yeah. It's you, always easier doing this than when I think about coming, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, I almost called and canceled on I know. You. you asked me this morning. No, what? what? It's at 1? Yes, Rick, you know it's at 1. We emailed and we talked. It's still on the calendar. <laughs> but good try. You tried to get yeah. up. No, yeah. you did and not. And it is You're funny great. how many, because we had we recorded one yesterday, and it was the same thing. He was like, I don't know if this is going to be good. This is not a great day for me. And he had stuff going on. And but wait, doesn't this like, go try. to your, what we Lena? talked about earlier? It just, it does. Like our, our, want, to, our want to cancel it when we oh. don't look perfect and look Rick is here. Guilty as in his, charged. In, in his, all his imperfection, and he did an amazing job. Amazing job. Yeah, well, yes. uh, you know, I'm a strong J on Myers-Briggs. Are I, you? I need to That's good. cross all my T's and dot uh-huh. all my I's. Yeah. You did it. You did it well. You did it Everybody's well. going to be very thankful. But it for is, I mean, stuff. I do hope that when people come on, they still just enjoy it. It's a conversation. Yeah. And so, and our people are blessed by it. Otherwise, Christy and I would not still be doing this. <laughs> True story. We talked about You that might recently. still be trying, but she definitely That's wouldn't. true. Yeah. She'd be like, no, we got we do have I'm more out. than we do have more than three people listening now. So, you know. We yeah. do have more than three people. Yes, and we were talking about this, like, can you believe it's season four? Oh my goodness. Is it really season yeah. four? And I'm like, Yeah, because people are listening, so we'll keep going. That's great. We will. We will. As long as people want to hear. This is a great tool to show people's real side mm-hmm. because so many people do listen husbands and wives men women kids high school kids college kids to go i can learn to be real yeah. like it's not as hard it's not like having to come in and record a podcast mm-hmm. with christy and debbie like it is much easier <laughs> to be real with my friends or where i'm at in life and to have those conversations and that is i think our hope and our goal part of it is to say you you can do hard things there's plenty mm-hmm. of people you've heard all the stories for three seasons now of all the super hard things that have taken place in other yeah. people's lives. And if it gives them encouragement to do 
better and to love Jesus more passionately, that's, that's a great. win. And well, people are messy. Keep going. It's going to be. Don't give up. We will. Yeah. <laughs> Mid-season, you may have to tell us that again. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. Just we'll look just at think me. We're with... like, Chris, thinking about, I mean, sorry, Chris, Rick. I'm, I'm exasperated. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, thanks so much for coming. My we appreciate delight. it so much. Thanks for being here with us. Um, until next time, that's it from Noisy Narratives. This is Noisy Narratives out. Bye. Life can be amazing. Ooh.